0: Well, like I said, uh, this series hits close to home. Uh, it was in sixth grade when I got my very, very first relationship ever. I, uh, it lasted a week. I was really proud of it, though. I know. And when she broke up with me, I was standing by my locker and thinking to myself, I just lost the love of my life. I'm done. It's over. Well, two months later, I met the other love of my life. And... Um, I'm not going to say any names tonight, but she was not the love of my life because she didn't even love me back, so it didn't work out very well. Then I got in a four-month relationship, and I thought I was making it big, and then when our conversation was very bland, we went on summer break too, and you could only text, and I had like a little flip phone, and I was like, I love you, and she's like, I love you back. I'm like, well, I love you more, and she's like, I love you more, and I was like, you know what? Here's a curveball. I love you the most, and she was like man, I can't beat that. And I was like, yeah, I can beat this relationship, though, because this is a bad one. Okay, so I got out of that. And so then I just kept going over and over again. I got into high school. I dated a girl from McMinnville. Uh, That ended, like, two months later. Uh, Then I got into another relationship. And then my sophomore year, I thought I found the one. She was not the one. Nope, not the one at all. And then I kept just going. And then I found Okay, this one, this one you might think is the one. I started dating this girl my junior year of high school. And we had liked each other on and off since I was in kindergarten. Get that. So we dated for two years. And I was like, we're going to marry each other. We're going to go to college. We might marry young, but that's okay. We can make it work. We got God on our side. Um, It didn't work out. And then I went to college. I kept following the same motions and actions over and over and over and over and over again until I realized one day, holy cow, um, I'm bad at relationships. And the whole time, all I needed was God. So why do I even say that? Well, although I think relationships are really beautiful, they can really help us get closer to God. um, When we are not centered on God first and in every part of our walk, every part of any relationship we ever get into, our lives fall apart. And yet, I and although I thought God wanted me to be, wanted me to be fulfilled and happy with the girl, um, because I didn't have him at the center of everything I was doing, I failed. And so tonight we're going to be looking at what was God's original design for relationship? How did he intend it to be? Did he intend us to be fulfilled by girls, be fulfilled by relationships, or did he intend us to be fulfilled on him alone? And everything else comes into focus when we do that. And so I want to look at some stats first and foremost. Uh, I think stats really help us see where culture around us is at. Um, I wanted to see, okay, am I crazy to get in all these relationships? Or is everyone else trying to get in relationships too? Um, if I'm lonely in this category, I might feel bad about myself. But that's okay. I'll get over it because I got married and that's it. Um, but I looked at some Stats and it says the consensus was that most young people want to partner off and be in a romantic relationship. And it said that 55% of teens, so you guys, have sought a relationship, while 35 have been in a serious relationship. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, 55 is barely over majority, but 55% is every other person in this room has sought to be in a relationship. And 35% who have actually been in a relationship, that's one in three of you. So although you might be thinking to yourself, why are we talking about relationships? I don't really want one. I'm in sixth grade and I just, all, all I care about is video games. Or maybe, maybe you're thinking to yourself, I'm in high school and I really want to find the love of my life. No matter what, it, the stats are in, the data's in, half of you want to be in a relationship. Um, although half of you want to be in a relationship, the age in which people get married is going up. Uh, Back in 1998, the age of marriage, on average, was about 25 people. Or, not 25. They were about 25 years old. Um, Now, one report, on average, has the age at 31 years old. The other, that I looked into, had the average at 35 years old. In just 25 years, the age in which people want to get married has gone up by 10 years. That's insane. In addition to that, more and more people have been using dating apps to find their spouse or just a relationship. I will admit, I did meet my wife on a dating app. I do not condone this still. <laughs> I can't say that, but at the same time, I don't think dating apps are the best use of our time. Um, Let's put up the stat line that I found. These are the top five countries by which a dating app was used. 18, almost 20% of people in the United States have used a dating app. And you think, that's not that many. But when you go like 300 million or whatever crazy amount of people we have, 20%, that's a lot. Um, The United States has spent or used like $1.43 billion to use dating apps. And then these are the numbers in which, and like what app has been used the most. So dating apps have also gone up. Um, In addition to that, ooh, I lost my place. Um, More and more young people are troubled in how they should date people. The only reason why I'm sharing all this information, okay, before I give you even more information, is that people are confused on how to date. If people are waiting longer to get married, it's not because, like, oh, like, I just want to wait till I'm older, I have more finances, and maybe that's part of it. But I guarantee, by just looking at these stats alone, people are confused on how to date. One of the reasons for why teens and young people are having trouble dating is because no one is giving them guidance, or no one's receiving guidance. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, we just did this youth like this dating series last year. And I, growing up in the church, always loved the dating series. I thought, the youth pastor's going to get up there and he's going to affirm that you're about to meet the love of your life. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to meet the love of my life here at youth group, and I'm going to hear it, I'm going to look to my left, and she's going to be standing there taking notes, writing in her Bible, and it's going to be amazing. That's not the case. So some of you may not be receiving a lot of guidance A lot of people are also giving into the idea of a non-committed relationship culture. There's no commitment. People think, oh, I can go on a dating app and we can meet up for one date. Or people can give into their desires a little bit and do some things that they shouldn't be doing. And they give their body, they give their identity away to people just because there's no commitment. I don't have to have commitment to other people. People are losing sight on how to date. And the last one is the idolatry of relationship. So even if they do get into a relationship, they focus on that being their one and only thing that gives them identity. They focus on that being the only thing that gives them joy, that gives them happiness. That's the thing they will go to their grave saying, made me a happy person. No one knows how to date. And unfortunately, when we pursue relationships above anything else, we get hurt. And when we pursue relationships above anything else, we end up hurting other people. And I'm here to tell you tonight, based off a quote of one of my favorite pastors, he says, if we cannot get a relationship with God right, we can never get a relationship with a guy or a girl right. That's important. If we cannot get a relationship with God right, we can never get a relationship with a guy or a girl right. And some of you may be thinking, well, I know plenty of people who don't know God and they have a great relationship. And I I know people like that too. But if you want to focus on God first and foremost, you can only focus on him first and then a relationship second. Jesus is not in the business of saying, okay, follow me and this. You can do this, but you don't have to give up this, this, and this. Jesus is kind of an all-or-nothing deal. And so if we want to focus on him, if we want to have a Christian relationship, we need to get a relationship with him right first. And like I said, everything else will fall into place. The, the truth of the matter, when we look at the Bible, too, is that people think, okay, about this much over here, like this half, is what God talks about relationships. And then this stuff is like, okay, I've got to pray once a day. I gotta make sure I get baptized. I probably should like do something like tithe or whatever. But in all reality, when we look at the grand scheme of what the Bible is all about, it's about pursuing holiness. It's about pursuing being refined by God. It's about pursuing relationship with God. It's about pursuing relationship with other believers. What God talks about relationships, marriage, sex, dating, whatever he talks about, that stuff, it's more like maybe like this amount. And all this stuff really matters. So we need to focus on what's the greater purpose A focus on a relationship with God. Are we just trying to get a girlfriend out of it? Are we just trying to get a boyfriend out of it? Or are we trying to actually pursue relationship with God first? And if a relationship happens, great. And if it doesn't, I'm still content because I still have a relationship with God over here. Does that make sense? Do you guys understand that relationship with God always matters first? Yeah? Have I hammered it into you guys enough? Great. Okay. So let's focus on the passage of Scripture in which we are in. I told you to turn to Genesis 2. It's at the very beginning. We kind of talked about this a little earlier this year, but I think it's worth going over again. It says this in Genesis 2, verse 15 through 25. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. From the day that you eat of it, surely you will die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, uh, slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he said, into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bones of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. I'm going to try to get through this quickly because I kind of gave you a bunch of stats that I thought were really important. Um, But some observations that we can kind of take to today in our lives. Uh, The first one is uh, we are to dwell in the Lord's creation. We ought to or we should dwell in God's creation. Um, If we look at the days of creation, right, do you guys know the order? If not, I have a slide for it and everything. The first day, he created earth, space, time, and light. The second day, he created the atmosphere and the air and everything around us. Day three, he created dry land and plants. On day four, he created the sun, moon, and stars. On day five, he created sea and flying creatures. On day six, he created land, animals, and man. On day seven, he did what? He rested. And he adored and sat in adoration of what he had created. Because it was perfect. And he took delight in that. And so we ought to as well dwell and take delight in the Lord's creation first and foremost. And we also ought to remember the Creator It's not good enough that we just say, oh man, I love the trees, I love the mountains, I love the sunset, and then never thank the creator. As human beings, as those who created in the imago day the image of God, we ought to love the Lord's creation. We also ought to love the creator. And by doing so, we ought to do the Lord's work to help cultivate it, to help make it grow. If you all were created by God, I ought to serve you. Because if I love God's creation, I love the creator. And if I love the creator, I ought to serve its creation. Does that make sense? You're not bowing down to the creation, but you're serving it. You're making sure that God is glorified in the work that you do. That's first and foremost. We also have to remember that we are, like I said, the Imago Dei, the creation of God. In verse seven, just a few verses before Obviously, verse 14, it says that God breathed the breath of life into Adam's nostrils. That's pretty intense. It's like, he didn't just say, hey, Adam, wake up. He was like, I'm going to breathe in your nostrils, man. I'm going to breathe the breath of life into you. It was intimate. It was real. It was powerful. God breathes the breath of life in every single one of us because he cares for us. We're set apart from all the other creation too. He gives him that responsibility to name all the animals, to name all the livestock. We're set apart. We're important to God. Therefore, in all the relationships we get into, we shouldn't just like trample ourselves and like make this temple that God has created us to be into something that like, oh, it doesn't matter. You're priceless. You were made in God's image. So don't just throw it away. Because He's also given us wisdom. It says in verse uh, 16 and 17, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge and good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. God gives us wisdom, He gives us guidance. He gives us parameters, not to say, okay, if you break these, I'm going to be the evil judge and just like smite you. He doesn't want to do that. He loves you, but he gives you guidance and uh, provisions in order to make sure you don't go out of them. He gives you parameters to make sure you don't go out of them. So the next thing that we should focus on is that he does not want man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. Although we ought to focus on our relationship with God, and that needs to be the first and foremost thing, because remember, you're created. I will reiterate that to anybody who needs to hear that. You were created in the image of God. You are all so important. You are beloved. It's not good for a man to be alone. Whether that means you have the friends around you or that's like a spouse that you're going to one day marry, it's not good for him to be alone. See, God made all the animals for Adam, but that still wasn't good enough. Adam was like, dude, this tiger, man, he's getting a little, he's getting a little annoying here. He's kind of like wanting to pounce on everything. And the hippo over there, dude, he's a drag. He's kind of big, like he's just, yeah, like he's just kind of getting old. So God was like, okay, I make you fall asleep and I'm going to bring a woman to you. And actually, when Adam sees Eve, it's really interesting. He breaks out into poetry. He breaks out into song. He's like, the bone of my bone, the flesh of my flesh. I finally found one suitable for me. And a lot of people see this word, helper. And they get really turned off by it, or they get really power hungry with it. And here's what I mean by that. A lot of people think, okay, Eve was the helper of Adam. Adam. That means that she's less than than him. That means every woman is less than than man. And that's really not the case at all. That's domineering. Or that crushes woman. When really that's not how they were created at all. Or people look at it and think, okay, men need help. Which they do. We're knuckleheads sometimes. But they also think that women just crush men and they can do whatever they want. That's also not the case. When, God, when it says right here that Adam finally found a helper suitable to him, it was a beautiful thing. They complemented one another. They were a perfect fit. One wasn't better than the other. They were both beautifully put together. And so that, that kind of brings us to the last one. They were both made to live in harmony for the rest of their lives. This is also kind of where I want to conclude. You see, you probably think to yourself, okay, harmonious relationship. How in the world are, is that still happening today? We see divorce still going on. We see sexual abuse go on. We see people body shaming one another on social media. We see selfish relationships that hurt other people. That's not perfect harmony. That's not perfect relationship at all. You might be thinking to yourself, I don't even, like, I don't care. I've never even thought of this. Well, as we focus on our relationship with God, everything around us is kind of chaotic and not going as planned because the curse happened. In Genesis 3, we see that the people unfortunately gave into their wicked ways and they broke relationship. Everything I just men- mentioned, divorce, sexual abuse, body shaming, broken selfish relationships, that's not how it was supposed to be. God's design was for perfect relationship between one another. It was also for perfect relationship with him, yet clearly that's not the case anymore, because I guarantee none of you have a perfect relationship with him, not even me. I struggle all the time. I also struggle to have amazing relationship with my wife, because I'm a flawless man that can't be a good husband all the time. We're not perfect. God's design's been broken. But we already see in chapter 3, verse 15, he has a plan. He has a plan to restore all um, humanity, to restore all relationship. And it says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his uh, heel. That's the first prophecy of Jesus in all of Scripture, saying, you know what, Satan, Satan, You got into the garden. You kind of made relationships suck now. But you know what? Jesus is going to come down. He's going to crush you. And to all of you who may not care about relationships, that's okay. I want you to focus on your relationship with God first and foremost. If you're thinking to yourself, okay, I've considered getting in a relationship with someone, but I don't know if I want to. That's okay. God's here. He wants a relationship with you. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, I've gone too far. There's no way God will ever want me because I've messed up. You know what? That's okay. He still wants you, He still wants to redeem you. And if you have someone in your life that you know is hurting from that, be that support, be that love, be the love that shows redemption and sacrifice. Take them in your arms and say, you know what? I know it hurts I won't talk too much about my testimony but that was me in high school I went to my friend I was like man I did this with this girl man she did this to me she hurt me but I hurt her and it wasn't okay but you know what he was like dude that's not okay he gave me the truth he was like that's not okay but Jesus loves you I love you You're redeemed and you will always be redeemed because Jesus died on the cross for all of you and that's what matters. You're all redeemed and you're all worthy of having a relationship with him.